Well, good morning. Welcome to my living room as we're all trying to adjust to this new reality of staying at home. And I want you to know that even though that we're apart, you are not alone. And we're going to uh, kind of work through and walk through this together. Today, I want us to continue on in our series that we've titled Journey to the Cross, where Jesus is going to explore seven signs and, and miracles leading up to the cross and the resurrection. And each one of these signs is a message to the nation of Israel about what's going on in their heart. And today in John chapter 9, we're going to be looking at a sign uh, from Jesus where he gives sight to a blind man. Well, it's hard for us to relate to someone who's been born blind. We just don't go through a long period of time without being able to see. I mean, if you're anything like me, you tend to take your sight for granted. And it isn't until you can't see or your sight is hindered that you start to appreciate the vision that you once had. Now, for those of us that have worn glasses or contacts that we, we have a small sense of this feeling where, you know, every morning you wake up and you're trying to strain and look at the clock. You can't see it clearly. You don't really know what time it is, but you're, you're always trying to guess what those blurry red numbers mean. You know, or sometimes for me, you know, I'd be wearing my contacts and be kind of going through the day. And, and all of a sudden, you know, one gets a little bit dry and just maybe pops out not having my eye drops or my contact solution, I, I kind of lose it. And, and, and then I have a choice. Do I take the other contact out and just kind of go through the rest of the day with just this blurry vision? Or do I kind of walk around with one eye shut, just kind of pretending that I'm a pirate for the rest of the day? I mean, neither choice is good. But we all do, we all appreciate being able to see better, especially when it comes to TV. I mean, at growing up, you know, those days when I wasn't feeling well, my parents would allow me to stay at home and, and just watch TV and not wanting to date myself too much. I mean, there, before Netflix and before cable, I mean, there was really, what, six channels on? And when you're sick and you're just trying to find something to watch, I, I ended up just falling on reruns of classic television shows. I mean, you may have heard of them, The Andy Griffith Show, I Love Lucy, I Dream of Jeannie. I mean, as great as these shows were, they were made in black and white. And for an eight or nine-year-old boy who's, you know, just trying to watch TV, they didn't engage me as much as a cartoon or something in color. You know, and, and so uh, if I just appreciated television shows in color. I mean, if you remember watching The Wizard of Oz for the very first time, for me as a, as a young boy, I was disappointed thinking, is this movie all in black and white? only to be re-engaged when all of a sudden Dorothy finds herself on the yellow brick road on her journey to Oz because everything turned to color. See, we appreciate being able to see better. Well, 20 years ago, we decided that color television wasn't enough. We needed something more, something better, something that can show us the details. And so we created Blu-ray and high definition. You know, if you're like me, we were, you were probably over at a friend's house and watching a sporting event and, and just seeing the clarity of the ball and of the, of the players. And then when you came home and you were watching your own TV set, this, this box screen, realizing it's not enough. We need an upgrade. You know, and so finally, after a while, I convinced my wife, it's time to get a new TV. But even now, we have something even better than high definition. We have 4K resolution ultra high definition. 
Well, needless to say, Debbie won't let me, you know, stand in front of the TV aisle at Costco or Best Buy very long because she knows what question is coming. Can we have one? We all want to see better, clear, and appreciate the, the beauty of that picture. Well, as we look at John chapter 9, I want us to see that, that Israel was living in a time of black and white. The black and white of religion, of good works and tradition. But Jesus came to bring color of the gospel. See, if you, if you look in John chapter 9, we're going to start reading in verse 1 where it says, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. See, this question tells us a lot about how the disciples saw God and their relationship with him. They held to the common Jewish belief is that their relationship was dependent on or hinged upon their good works, their productivity, their outcomes, what they deserved. I mean, they bought into the, the teaching of the Pharisees, the rabbis and the scribes at this time that it was about self-righteous works and good deeds. But what was happening was is that they were reducing their relationship with God to that of a transactional, transactional exchange. You see, they thought that the more good works that they did is that the more that God would bless them. So the, the more that, you know, the more good works that they did, the more God would owe them, the more that he would be indebted to them, the more that he would show favor upon their life, the more that God must bless their life. But if something bad happened to their life, well, that means that God was trying to get their attention. That It means that something they did something wrong, that they sinned along the way, and that God was trying to point it out to them. So applying this manner of thinking to the blind beggar, as the disciples came closer to the man, I mean, it was only natural for them to think that this man or his family did something so big, so outrageous, that God was going to punish this man for a very long time, his entire life. But as we keep reading, we're going to see is that really the exact opposite is true. I've broken our, our, our talk into three thoughts. And the first one is, is that God or the gospel changes us. The second is, is that the gospel empowers us. And then thirdly, the gospel sees us. Well, let's take a look at how the gospel changes us. And let's keep reading in verse three. It says that Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work that the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I mean, if you can put yourself in, in place of this blind beggar, I mean, just imagine what was going on in his life. I mean, every day seemed to be the same. I mean, it was like he was living the movie, The Groundhog Day, where every day just was going through the same motions and the same actions. Every day that this person would wake up, he would put his clothes on. He'd probably have breakfast with his family. And then while they were going off to work or to do their chores, they would help lead him to the place where he was going to sit for long hours through, through the sun and the rain and all these things, hoping and begging for alms and money 
for people to be gracious to him. You think about all the conversations that he heard as people just walked by, conversations that he wasn't included in. But then this one specific day, he hears a group of men having a conversation. And though he can't hear everything, what he can hear is that this group of men is starting to come closer. And as he starts to listen in a little bit more, it sounds like they're talking about him. I mean, some, it appears, that being judge, are being judgmental about his disability, but there's nothing new in that. I mean, for, for years, he's probably sensed people staring at him, hearing them scoff and criticizing him for being a beggar or thinking that God was uh, cursing him. But this conversation was different because this group of men stopped in front of him. And one of the men kneels down and says something strange. He says, I am the light. And then he starts to feel mud being put on his face and and he's being told, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he did. Oh, if you can imagine what was going through the blind beggar's mind at that time, as he starts to put water onto his face and just kind of wash off the mud. And for the very first time, he sees something more than just darkness. He sees the sunlight and the sun rays coming through his fingertips and and just with the hope and the encouragement that he felt. That maybe as he's splashing more water in his face, that he's looking down and, and seeing his reflection, seeing what he looks like for the very first time. Or maybe as he's, as he's looking around, he's just trying to soak it all in, the color, the flowers, the shapes, the objects, everything that, that his family has been describing to him for his entire life, he now gets to see for himself. See, Jesus gave him sight. But not only did he give him the ability to see, he gave him his life. Everything changed in this man's life. You see, no longer will this man spend his days begging and relying on the, on the mercy and kindness of others, but that he was going to now be able to work and be self-sufficient for himself. No longer is he going to be uh, not included in community and in conversations and even in parts of the temple, but now he's going to be able to participate No longer is he going to feel like he's a burden to his family, but now he feels like he can be productive and and help out with the chores and, and everything that's going on in the household. No longer is he going to feel incomplete because he was just made whole. Jesus had changed everything. And you have to imagine is that the blind beggar was having all of these thoughts and taking it all in thinking about this one man who gave him the gift of sight. But what did he say right before? He said, I am the light of the world. You know, and and like this blind beggar, we are all born in spiritual blindness, unable to see the light of the gospel. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we want it, we just fall short. We don't feel like we're complete. But then Jesus came. Jesus reaches down and opens up the eyes of our hearts so that we can see him. So that we can see everything through the eyes of the gospel. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times where I'll be walking through my house or maybe walking through the church and someone doesn't see me and and turns off the light and everything goes dark. 
And you just, you sit and you wait, waiting for your eyes to adjust. And pretty soon you, they start to adjust where you can start to see some objects. You can start to see some shapes. You, you start to get a little bit comfortable that you can, you know, continue walking without bumping into things. Maybe you start to uh, feel pretty good about how you can navigate through hallways and, and get to the bathroom without bumping into a wall. I mean, there's some people that even prefer to live in the shadows. Well, on the other side, there are times when we just kind of wake up and, and our eyes haven't yet adjusted and someone flips on that light and immediately you squint and it hurts, it's painful. And our natural inclination is to turn off the light so that we can go back to the comfort and the safety of the darkness. But if we just wait just a moment, our eyes will adjust and all of a sudden we can see with clarity everything around us. And that's the gospel. You see that for some of us, we want to live in the darkness of sin. We, we get comfortable. We, we even prefer it. But when Jesus showed up and gave us the gospel, he allows us to see the color. He allows us to see the light. And if we will just allow our eyes, our, our eyes of our heart to be exposed to it, we will see of all the things that we're missing, that we were missing him. So the question is, is that will we accept the light or will we reject him? Well, moving on, I want to show you that the gospel empowers us. You see, everything changed for this blind beggar. I mean, yesterday, no one really cared about his story. No one really cared about who he was. But now, all of a sudden, because of this miracle, because he now can see, he finds himself in the middle of the religious leaders having a discussion, being on trial, because they want to know what happened. What is going on? How could he see? Now, a little bit of a side note, the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. They didn't care for him at all. I mean, they didn't like how his popularity was, was getting uh, greater and bigger than, than theirs. They didn't like how his message was contradicting their teaching. And they especially didn't like how Jesus didn't submit to their authority or follow their traditions. And so when they were asking the blind man what had happened, it wasn't because they were just curious. It wasn't because they were excited about this miracle and wanted to rejoice and celebrate with this man who was once blind, now can see, no. No, they, were, they wanted to know the details because they wanted to put Jesus on trial and hopefully have him arrested. Well, let's take a look at, at the testimony of, of the blind man and what he says. And, and immediately they find out the first thing that they can put against Jesus. In verse 14, it says, Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received a sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Now the Pharisees took their traditions and their laws very, very seriously. I mean, if you grew up in church, I mean, you know this. But when it came to the Sabbath, I mean, they took it to a whole new level. You see, in Exodus chapter 20, God gave 10 commandments to Moses. And, and we know, a lot of us know those commandments. And one of those commandments was to keep the Sabbath holy, to not work on the Sabbath. Well, the Pharisees thought, you know what? That, that commandment is kind of open to interpretation. And, and we kind of need to help God out. And so we're going to uh, put some framework. We're going to put some categories around the word work. 
And so to help God out, they put 39 categories around this word work and to, to make sure that people didn't break the Sabbath or, or they didn't do work on the Sabbath. And one of those categories was medical care. You see, you were only allowed to help someone uh, give them medical care on the Sabbath if it was a life or death situation. Well, obviously, this man was born blind. I mean, he'd been living with this blindness for his entire life. And so it wasn't a life or death situation. And so therefore, Jesus broke rule number one. But also when the, the man described what Jesus did in this miracle, um, that he spit on the ground, that he needed the mud and created mud and put it on his face. Again, you weren't allowed to need anything. They, they, they considered that work. And so, you know, the Pharisees had made up their mind. It was obvious that Jesus had broken the laws. It was obvious that Jesus had broken their traditions and therefore he was a sinner. But there were other people, a part of this trial, who, who just couldn't believe it. I mean, how could a man who could do such great miracles be considered a sinner, be, be considered someone who comes from the devil? No, he had to be someone sent from God. And so they asked the, the one who was once blind, who do you say Jesus is? Well, the man replied in verse 17, it says, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Again, someone sent from God. I mean, this was not the answer that the leaders were looking for. <laughs> not at all. I mean, again, they've made up their mind about Jesus and they were looking for testimony just to discredit who Jesus is. But now, now that this man has essentially sided with Jesus, that, that they're not, he's not agreeing with the Pharisees and what they believe, well, they didn't like that at all. And so therefore, now they have to discredit the witness of this person. And, and, and this is where the story takes just this humorous turn. I mean, you know, take a look at verse 18, because, because the, the, the Jews, the Pharisees say this, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received a sight. <laughs> I mean, this story is, is just funny. I mean, you can't make this up. I mean, the Pharisees have now said that the blind man had been faking his uh, not being able to see for his entire life. That somewhere there was this conspiracy that he was working this long con of, of the sense of that from the from birth that he didn't want to work. And so therefore he created this ruse that he would be blind. And so every time he left the house that he would go and find a spot where he would just rely on the wages of others, that he would rely on the kindness and the mercy of others. This man, you know, was so, um, he, he, he trusted this character so much. He was so involved in this character. I mean, he deserves an Academy Award. He deserves an Oscar because he was willing to give up social interactions. He was willing to give up uh, having normal conversations. He was forced to, to, uh, to act as a blind person every single day. He was forced forcing himself to live on a beggar's wages if, if, he, was, if he was faking this whole uh, deal about being born blind. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, but this is what the Pharisees are asking. This is what the Pharisees are now criticizing the man for. I mean, obviously he didn't agree with them, and so therefore all his whole entire life has to be taken up and into consideration that it is a lie. 
Well, to get to the bottom of this, they bring the, the boys, uh, the man's parents in and, and ask them a couple questions. One, is this your son? Yes. Two, was he blind from birth? Yes, they answered. And so then they're going to go on to a third question. In light of him now being able to see, in light of this man, Jesus, uh, performing a miracle, who do you say Jesus is? Well, the parents, you know, kind of threw up their hands and they said, we don't want to answer this question. The boys of age, let him answer the question. (laughs) Thanks, mom and dad. I mean, I appreciate that. But once again, the man who was blind, the man who now can see is kind of thrusted into the spotlight and he's empowered to share his story one more time to the Pharisees and to the crowd around him. He was not going to allow the voice of fear to threaten his voice of faith. I mean, let's take a look in verse 24 where it says, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, and though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Again, the day before, no one cared about what this man had to say. But now he's sharing his story. Now he's revealing uh, who he thinks Jesus is to, uh, to a group of people, to the religious leaders, to his own parents. You know, and this is a question that we still ask today. Who is Jesus? You know, there's certain people that are like the Pharisees who have already made up their mind and, and they're just on a mission to discredit Jesus's teaching and his purpose and everything that Jesus, you know, stands for, what Christians stand for. There are people like the parents who, who want to take and adopt some of the things that Jesus did, who want to um, rejoice in the good parts of Jesus, but aren't willing to take on all of Jesus, are not willing to accept all that he is and make him Lord of his life. And then there are times where, um, where you come to the person who was born blind, where we see that Jesus kind of appears before them and gives them sight and, it label, and allows them to see and calls him Lord. And we're going to see that. So the question I have for you is, who is Jesus to you? Who can you relate to in this story? Is it the Pharisees? Is it the parents? Or, the, or is it this man who was born blind? Well, let's take a look at how the gospel sees us. See, the Pharisees saw this man through the religious lens. 
They saw him as a sinner. They, they saw him all for only for his disability and just being a person who is a beggar. The, his whole ident, identity was, was centered around his inability to see. I mean, even once his sight was, uh, was given to him, his own neighbors, the people who lived closest to him, didn't even recognize him, didn't even know who he was. I mean, let's jump back to verse 8 when it says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? The people around him didn't even know him. They lived close to him. They walked by him. But to them, he was just a blind man. They never learned his name. They never learned what he was interested in or how to care for him. I mean, sure, some of them walked by and and gave, and put some money uh, into the cup, you know, made them feel them, you know, made themselves feel better. But they never really got to know this man. And it wasn't until Jesus came and looked at this man and saw past his disability, saw past his imperfections, saw past every his identity of who he was as this blind beggar and saw how God, his father was looking at him, saw him through a lens of love, saw him through what God was doing through him and how he was going to display God's glory through him. You know, it's easy for us to look in the mirror and to see all of our imperfections. I mean, when we look in the mirror, most of us look at it and see all the things that we don't like about ourselves. We see our mistakes. We see our hurts. We see our failures. You know, we, we get this sense where we, we feel like we're alone, that no one sees us, that no one cares. But in this story, it's obvious, it's evident that Jesus does care, that he does love you. And he looks past all of those hurts and all of those mistakes and all of those failures to call him, to call you to himself. You see, for the second time, Jesus seeks out this man. In verse 35, we see Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he said, and he worshiped him. In verse 39, it says that Jesus said, for judgment, I came into the world that those who do not see may see. And those who may become, who see may become blind. See, after the Pharisees discarded this man out, Jesus came up to him again. See, the first time Jesus gave him the ability to see. He healed his physical blindness, but this time Jesus is going to heal his spiritual blindness. You see, before he met Jesus, his whole identity was to be a blind beggar. But after he met Jesus, his identity was that he was a child of God. See, the Pharisees were offering a religion of tradition and good works. And let's face it. This blind beggar was never going to measure up to all of their standards, all of their expectations, all of their self-righteous desires. I mean, they already had this man on a path uh, and, and had, their, had, had his eternal life decided that he was going to be a man destined by hell because he was cursed from God. I mean, it was the black and white of religion. But Jesus shows up and, and he accepts this man. 
And he says, I want you to be my own. You know, and, and like, again, like this blind beggar, we don't measure up. We all fall short. There's nothing that we can do to, to measure up that we, to deserve a place in heaven. But Jesus still comes and he still opens our eyes so that we can see. You know, there's a video that I saw on, on YouTube where um, two brothers have been, uh, who have been colorblind from birth. They, they just, they haven't been able to see color. And their parents decided to give them a gift, I think for their birthday, to just allow them to kind of give them the gift of sight. And I want you to watch this video. Here, let's take a look. Say it loud. Wait, what color is this? It's orange. Oh, I thought it was green. It's the top one. Top one looks orange to me, too. It's green. <laughs> oh, it does look kind of weird. Okay, Jim, why don't you close your eyes for a few minutes and then put them on. Up here for a few seconds. Jim got his new glasses by Enchroma. Stand by the towel with Ryan, too. That's going to really explode. Close your eyes and then open them. Look at the towel and dad. <laughs> what do you see? Tell us. What do you think, Jim? Oh, yeah, it's a They're both colorblind. Jimmy, tell us what you see. It is bright. you're like me, you cheered up when, while watching that video. I mean, what an amazing gift, the gift of sight. You see, the Pharisees were offering a religion that was black and white, a religion of good works and traditions, but Jesus was offering the color of the gospel. He, he opens the eyes of the blind so that they can see more than just darkness, so that they can see more than just rituals and traditions, but that they can see all the things that God has for them. And it's his desire to open your eyes because he has so much more for you. When we accept black and white, when we accept the religion of the Pharisees, it's like we're, we're trying to take off our glasses, that we're, that we're desiring to live in this, uh, in this life of, of being black and white. It's, it's having the thoughts that I have to do better, that, that I have to do more, that I have to be good enough. But when we accept what Jesus has done for us, then we're living through the lens of the gospel where it's Jesus is better, where Jesus has done it all, 
where Jesus is good enough. See, don't take, don't allow this opportunity to pass you by where because we're scared, because maybe we don't totally understand that we desire to just take off the glasses and just live in the darkness where we feel like it's safe. No, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. There's so much more that he wants you to see, but first he wants you to see him. Let's pray. God, we just ask that we can just see you for who you are, that you just open up the eyes of our heart, that we accept your gospel, that we accept that you died on the cross for us, that you took our sin and placed it upon yourself. Lord, to know that we don't measure up, but you do, and that you desire to restore our relationship with the Father. So God, I just pray that even now in the comfort of our homes, so watching on TV, that people will just open up their hearts to you and call you to be their own. Lord, that you will be the savior of their life. And we pray in all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, Westwood. We'll see you soon.